and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm here to talk about Reanimator, which is Dan's choice for this fortnight. Dan's excellent choice for this fortnight. This is one we've discussed a few times, I believe, on the podcast, but now we're finally doing it in detail even though it's only available in the States. We've done a couple of these back-to-back now, but yeah, it's also available on the Arrow channel, is it, in the UK, Dan, or is it just in the States it's available? Not not in the UK, okay. not in the UK, no, it's just just America. And, oh boy, like, this is, a yeah, after last last episode where we talked about 8 Diagram Pole Fighter, also a US exclusive for Arrow, this is another one, but, but this one, more even than 8 Diagram Pole Fighter, the extras on this are bubble bonkers <laughs> it is an astonishing box set well uh, i also think mm. that the box set is fully sold out so good luck well yeah we have taken our time in getting to this one but it will be worth it i promise and and actually i because it's sold out because it's out of print i don't have the blu-ray so i watched it on the arrow streaming channel so dan the responsibility for discussing the extras falls on your shoulders but before we do that the plot of reanimator dan please oh sam i'm so <laughs> glad you asked <laughs> the film reanimator by stuart gordon from mm-hmm. 1985 mm-hmm. follows a young medical student herbert west from sweden denmark germany austria i uh, see uh, yeah exactly they say sweden back, in the movie back to, but yeah. i'm pretty sure they're speaking german yeah, I don't know. It, don't worry about that. So, <laughs> Herbert West is, at very least, adjacent to someone whose eyes literally explode. <laughs> I've learnt all I can, he says to himself, and then later to us. And he <laughs> hightails it to America, where he goes to the Miskatonic University, don't worry about that, that's not foreboding, to continue his studies. And he moves in with a lovely, straight-laced, uh, all-American boy, Dan, who's another medical student, and slowly corrupts him with his dark art medicine as he's broken the oh god what is it 11 minute barrier yeah on brain death i think it's between six to 12 minutes is it or six to 11 anyway six six, yeah but yeah it's let's say 12 12 sounds better so i think it's probably 12 uh yeah he says he's finally broken the 12 minute barrier and and yeah with his glowing reagent he uh, starts to demonstrate that he can reanimate dead tissue and all sorts of hijinks and uh, gooey madness ensue uh it's an all-time classic there are probably people out there who haven't seen it so we're not going to discuss the third act in too much detail but we will talk loosely around some of the uh some of the events in the film because we love it and we have to be able to talk about it exactly and and before we get to to that kind of stuff dan i i have a, a behind the scenes question for you because we know that the precious arrowheads yeah, like those and it's behind the scenes of the podcast not the film because dan much well. like the dan in this movie and herbert west we used to live together so tell me, how did I compare as a housemate to Herbert West? Well, you never killed any of my pets, so oh, that's a tick in your favour. Yeah. We never had to find out what would have happened if uh, Jen had passed away, whether or not you would have helped me with that. <laughs> um, I would have. Of course I would have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, like, he's... 
yeah, I think ultimately the lack of killing any of the animals that we lived with mm. probably puts you quite heavily ahead oh, of thank Herbert goodness. West. He's got a certain brooding charisma. He sure does. <laughs> yeah, and so so did does. so does Herbert and West. He did occasionally borrow my spade. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that we've covered that off because the arrowheads would have been on the edges of their seats about that one but uh let's start at the start of yeah, this th- movie no no i'm just gonna say you're a better housemate than herbert west yes nailed just, it just putting just giving you an official grade absolutely nailed it and yeah the opening of this movie um i'd only ever seen the cut uk vhs so i've never seen this opening scene before are you serious yeah i i haven't seen this movie as much as stuff like evil dead 2 i fell more Oh wow! Into that side of the uh, the viewership. So even though they're kind of connected, I do think you're either an Evil Dead person or a Reanimator person, and I was an Evil Dead person. So yeah, I I haven't watched this as much. I I, I have watched it before. It's not a demon situation, don't worry. And I do absolutely love Reanimator, but I loved it even more watching this version because um, yeah, like I say, uncut, more gore, and I think. Perhaps if I'd have seen this version instead of the cut UK, I would be sitting here saying, oh, yeah, I've watched this a million times because it's absolutely amazing. It's a fantastic movie. It's Um, bonkers. I've got some news for you, Sam. Oh, please. The box set that's now like 130 quid on eBay has an even longer version that's got an extra 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Uh, Arrow, if you're listening, please look at the back of your cupboard and see if you've got one of these going spare. Don't please reissue. Don't, don't yeah. put it on eBay. Just republish reissue it. Reissue it. Yeah, forget trying to find one at the back of the cupboard just for me. <gasps> 4K. 4K. 4K Oh Jesus Christ! Yes, please. Yeah, and that's the scene that is, I believe, in German. So there was a German video release that was gorier apparently so i'm thinking maybe this came over from that i'm not sure i'm not an expert on this movie but that version was also cut for broadcast on german television so even on german television they cut this film there's something about this silly movie that made censors want to tear it to shreds i guess because there's stuff in here that really is very very messed up which we're probably not going to get into because that is third act stuff but yeah yeah like low low-key sexual violence warning yeah uh, it's not a realistic depiction of anything this film no but 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 if you're if you're sensitive to that stuff there is some some a couple of moments of some quite unpleasant stuff later on in the film albeit fleeting but for the most part the film has quite uh like even the film takes itself seriously which serves the mm. sort of comedy of it so well yeah. because it is absolutely chocker like with with gore it's so there's again on the on the on the box set there's a feature length making of where they dissect the film in order from beginning to end rather than uh, like shooting schedule and it's you know got the producers the cinematographer um the, the cast the special effects guys all talking about how they did it there's lots of lovely like behind the scenes photographs and that kind of stuff and and one of the things they talk about uh, quite a lot is how gordon was always like yeah, no, we're just gonna go further than that. I think we're gonna go, we're gonna go a lot further than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every, every time anyone was like, "How far do we go with this?" He's like, "All the way," and then a little bit more. Exactly. A little bit more than that. Yeah, it is a, it's a, it's a fantastically like over the top, bombastic movie. Absolutely. And speaking of over the top and bombastic, I mentioned the the Evil Dead franchise, and these two films do have something in common. There is a kind of tonal wildness to both Evil Dead Two and to Reanimator. 
And there's a story that Bill Paxton tells about James Cameron. He basically phoned up Bill Paxton and said, you know, have you seen Evil Dead 2 yet? And Bill Paxton said, no, what's Evil Dead 2? And James Cameron said, I'll pick you up in 15 minutes and hung up um, and took him at five o'clock in the afternoon to see Evil Dead 2. At the end, Cameron turned to Bill Paxton and said, it's not every day you see a movie that starts a new genre, the horror cartoon. And I think James Cameron should have seen Reanimator two years earlier because very much feels like a cartoon or a comic book, like it it's framed like an ec comic yeah. from start to finish right yeah totally i think ec comics is exactly the the touchstone for it it really does feel like one of those like stories of the bizarre kind of like horror narratives mm. uh, and while it's quite loosely based on a lovecraft original mm. and uh, and obviously the west character is to some extent channeling lovecraft himself with his sort of general distaste for the idea of women like it's it's quite a departure from the source text mm. um, well there wasn't even there wasn't is, a woman in the source text at all so the barbara crampton no, character no no no, no, no. well invented. lovecraft didn't write women yeah exactly <laughs> he didn't didn't care for women very much he didn't care for for many people but but yes this is different and worthwhile this movie totally very different yeah exactly it's it's like you know it's it's difficult to say it's one of my favorite lovecraft adaptations because it barely counts yeah but it's it's one of my favorite films that purports to be a lovecraft <laughs> adaptation yeah, yeah yeah it's a it's an absolutely wild ride with like decapitations and guts and that uh that bone saw through the chest gag is like to this day one of my favorite gags it's so good film. it's so good it's so good yeah there's some lovely behind the scenes photographs of it on the on the documentary well let's get into that because um dan you're going to be very pleased about this i am going to hand the mic to you i'm going to sit back i'm going to say nothing because i haven't seen a single goddamn extra on this i, I literally watched the movie and the movie only on the streaming service so take it away the floor is yours. Tell us all about everything that's on this box set. It's an astonishingly in-depth box set. So uh, obviously, first off, you've got this uh, like a feature length uh, documentary that I mentioned, which covers the making of the film, but does it sort of goes pre it's pre-production and then the production of the movie chronologically within the narrative. So they talk through the film and then post-production uh, talking about critic responses and, and touching on From Beyond, which they, they move on to uh, was the next project for them. It's got loads of great interviews. There's three audio commentaries. There's an entirely different edit of the movie on a second disc. Yeah, there's like a really long interview with Gordon about his theatre days and how he moved from theatre into film and, and the sort of ethos that he carried across. It's a, a true truly exhaustive set there's almost nothing you can know about reanimator that isn't included in this set that's great yeah i have to get my hands on this somehow that's fantastic and yeah let's talk a little bit about the actors jeffrey combs specifically i'd say because everyone's great in this film it's really fun but Jeffrey Combs, it's like the birth of a charismatic horror icon in this movie. It's, again, to refer to Evil Dead, it's up there with Bruce Campbell's charisma, I'd say, in a very kind of different way. He is mesmerising. Absolutely. Right? Whenever he's on screen, he is mesmerising. Um, how did you th feel about his performance when you first watched the film and how did you feel about it 
watching it, you know, very recently. I don't know if I realised when I first watched it how early in his career mm-hmm, it was. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely was defining. Mm-hmm. He's gone on to be a relatively successful character actor mm-hmm. and he's certainly like one of these known faces in horror. Like, you know, he's a convention favourite. Yeah. But I feel like he's not been... I don't think he's been given his dues. He's a really solid actor. Yeah. And his performance in Reanimator... Like, I remember just churning my way through every Jeffrey Coombs title when I was in my early 20s. And, you know, I'm talking about absolute dreck, like, cellar dweller. But Reanimator's a... Like, it's a good film. Like, it's a it's a great, fun film, and the film itself is technically totally sufficient. But some of the performances are, are, are great, sort of almost transcendent of the movie. And, and Coombs is certainly in that camp he's a he's really good he really brings it and actually i think it's a really good performance from barbara as well barbara crampton oh yeah she's fantastic. like very natural and there's just something about her that you really warm to i think stuart gordon's really good with actors though it's very interesting what you say about his kind of potential because i wonder if he kind of if his choices because obviously reanimator you can tell from how much it's been cut to shreds it's kind of a controversial film in a way. It has that real tonal weirdness to it that that did put a lot of people off. And it certainly wasn't his first movie, but it was a turning point movie, a leading role. And I just wonder if he hadn't have made Reanimator, if he'd have done like a Dog Day Afternoon or something. You know what I mean? I know that's kind of a weird <laughs> yeah, yeah, thing yeah. to pull out of the hat, but I can really see it. No, I know what you mean. Like, would he? Would we be talking about him as like a Pacino or like one of those kind of actors? I'm certainly not being anti-horror here. I'm being anti the people who look down on horror because I, I think he's an absolute genius. And yeah, I, I wish that he'd have done stuff other than pulse pounders or robot jocks or whatever. Don't say a word against robot jocks. So. <laughs> can I say a word against Dr. Mordred? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> I think that's pretty much all I've got to say because like I say I only watch the movie not the extras. Do you have anything else that you'd like to delve into Dan? What else is there? Like it's it's an amazing it's an amazing set. There's uh, I think there's a they, they cover a lot of stuff about the uh, reanimator musical mm-hmm. which I didn't bother watching. I haven't seen the musical but that's that's all on there. Like I said there's all the audio commentaries richard band the composer is interviewed as well there was a, a bit of controversy around that because he got like accused of stealing uh, stuff from bernard herman for the score mm. where it was meant to be an homage mm-hmm. which is interesting you know when the film was released they put it out uh, they chose to do it unrated they didn't even bother taking it in front of the, like uh, brian usner the producer didn't even bother taking it to the mpa he was just like yeah fuck that they just released it unrated right and there were it's, it's another one of those ones where there was cues around the block you know it got the critic award at can sam that doesn't surprise me and that actually might be the controversy where the controversy came from actually not can sorry but the unrated version because there is like a weird prejudice against unrated stuff in the state yeah and and maybe that kind of that punk rock attitude appealed to can because they like that kind of thing interesting very interesting god i wish i had this box set so i could delve into some of this history because it's a really fascinating film on many levels i really hope they they redo it to be honest please arrow please all right well let's uh let's wrap this up let's talk about recommendations though uh precious arrowheads if there's anything that you feel that we've missed out on anything that you'd like to discuss about reanimator send us an email and we'll read it out on a future episode we promise and dan the email address is 
<laughs> no, I don't know the email address. The other thing is, I think we might not be getting emails anymore, by the way. Oh. If anyone sent us an email recently and we haven't re- read it out or replied to it, I, I think we might not be getting emails. And I meant to mention this and I forgot about that as well. Oh, well, all um, right. Don't don't send us an email. Just tweet us or something. Um, do, do a tweet thread. Yeah, um, we'll we'll try and we'll try and sort out the email thing, and we'll uh, we'll let you know. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, I'm glad it came up. What's what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to recommendations. Dan, I'm going to go first this time because you go first. Yeah, I've yeah, got go first, a, a deep fear. I never know which way you're going to go on these things. I suspect though, because this was mentioned on on the extras, you're not going to choose it. So. I am going for From Beyond, which Beautiful. reunites Stuart Gordon with Jeffrey Coombs and Barbara Crampton. They combine once more for another science-y Lovecraft adaptation. I'd say that I prefer this one to Reanimator. I've, I've certainly seen it way more times than I've seen Reanimator. And yeah, it follows a group of scientists experimenting with the pineal gland, which gives them the power to see monsters from another dimension that kind of coexist in our world. And lots of... Uh, hectic antics follow uh, this discovery it's an amazing gloopy gross movie with some very weird stuff i'm not going to get into any spoilers but yeah barbara crampton's arc is uh pretty odd but yeah the whole movie has a similar tone and feel to reanimator which is a very unique tone and feel so if you've seen reanimator if you love reanimator and you haven't caught from beyond get ready for a treat it is uh, bonkers bananas, right, Dan? Yeah, it's very, very fun. Yeah, yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's very, uh, it, it's a very, it, well, it's another Lovecraft. Yeah, and Gordon and Usner between them would go on to be sort of the like the Lovecraft boys for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's a very very fun movie. I must say, like, I want to revisit it. I think I would probably enjoy it more now. Mm. I didn't not enjoy it, but I just wanted more Reanimator. Right. And neither From Beyond nor any of the Reanimator sequels yeah. have ever given me more Reanimator. No, that's true. That's definitely true. But yeah, without those high expectations, it is a lot of fun. Oh, it's great. It's got some great great puppets in it. And what's first from you based on Reanimator, Dan? So I, uh, Jen and I had a little uh, a little get together over the weekend uh, a little while ago. And the night before I watched Reanimator, which, you know, was the first time I'd seen it in maybe a couple of years. And uh, a good friend of mine, Lee Cranston, was down for the get together. He'd had to drop some stuff off to a production in London on Friday. So he was here a night early. So he joined us uh, to watch Reanimator while we were, when we put it on. He'd not seen it before. And we all had a great time with it. It was fantastic. And we'd had a few beers. And then we had another film in us. Like, we're like, well, let's put on another film. What should we do next? What should we do next? And I did, as Sam, as you will be very aware of, my usual thing when <laughs> everyone is like, let's watch another film. But they're not very good at, like, steering me towards what I'm going to put on. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm putting on a Dan film. And that is how we came to Double Bill Reanimator with Dr. Butcher MD. Oh, wow. And so... And so that is my first recommendation, is Dr. Butcher MD, a.k.a. Zombie Holocaust from 1980 by Romino Uh, it's a It's a rare outing. Uh, for him he mostly did uh, like sex comedies and the odd polititeski but it's an absolutely bonkers hybrid uh, medical horror slash zombie movie slash cannibal movie it's got absolutely everything you could want in it including a slightly slow second act the one of the best zombie kills in film history from ian mcculloch and 
something that I'd never noticed before, or at least hadn't like picked up on or had forgotten, uh, which is that at one point they are looking at pictures on a like a an old fashioned like Kodak slide carousel thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and they get to one picture. One of them's like, "Huh, what's that? Can you zoom in?" And he goes, "Yeah," and then just progresses to the next slide, which is a closer picture. <laughs> so. It's, it might be the first instance of like a, a hokey enhanced yes, yes. Uh, moment. But yeah, the film's absolutely incredible. It contains the line, the patient screamed disturbingly, performed removal of vocal cords, and also has a bad guy who looks like Harvey Keitel enough that uh, we dubbed him Hardly Keitel. Hey. So yes, you should watch Dr. <laughs> Butcher MD. I have gone for Necronomicon, which I actually... Ugh. Yes. Mistakenly attributed to being when Shay and I were discussing it, I was like, "Oh, I think I'll do Necronomicon." That's directed by Dan O'Bannon. It's not directed by Dan O'Bannon, not at all. That's the Resurrected, um, which would be another good pick. But Necronomicon features Jeffrey Coombs. It's H.P. Lovecraft. It's an anthology movie adapting three Lovecraft tales: The Rats in the Walls, Cool Air, and The Whisperer in Darkness. But the real selling point is the gloopy and gross special effects. They're the result of a team-up between Tom Savini, John Carl Bilcher, Christopher Nelson and Screaming Mad George, who are all icons in the field. So to get the four of them working on one movie is a gory treat. As ever with anthologies, you know, there's highs and lows, but the general standard overall is, is solid. And yeah, if you love Jeffrey Coombs, if you love violence and gore and uh, Lovecraft, there's not much better than Necronomicon. And obviously that's the book in Evil Dead. We've mentioned Evil Dead a million times in this episode. It all comes together. It's all planned, this. It's all planned, Dan. What's, <laughs> <laughs> what's next from you? I watched Necronomicon again quite recently, actually. Oh, nice. A bit of fun. Yeah. I like it. It's got some good, yeah, good, good makeup effects in it. My next one's a shallow cut, if you will. Oh, but it's from 1989. It's Mary Lambert's Pet Sematary. Oh, nice. Fantastic. Uh, Jesus Christ. It's the perfect recommendation. It's uh, it's another, like, slightly unusual zombie picture. It's it's another one. It's got a very, like, I'd say that without wanting to spoil anything for the, the small crossover of our audience who've seen one but not the other, I feel like the endings are kind of cousins without going any further than yeah. that. Yeah, I love Pet Sematary. Uh, it was one of my first, like, favourite horror films uh, I had it on VHS when I was like 11, I guess, 12 maybe. And yeah, I watched it absolutely endlessly. I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but I, uh, I t- my parents went on holiday to Italy. I, I say they went on holiday. I went on holiday with my parents to Italy, but I couldn't bring myself to leave my VHS of Pet Cemetery behind. So I used uh, gaffer tape to rip the label off the cassette so you couldn't tell what it was and then took it with me to Italy <laughs> so that my so my parents wouldn't be able to identify it, but also like nothing bad would happen to it in my absence. Wow. That was also the holiday where I just refused to leave where we were staying for the entire holiday and read all of it in f- like five days. Dan, you have always been this way. You've always been like this. I love it. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy the beautiful Italian countryside. I'm going to read this. What does it say about my brain that I can't remember anything from minute to minute? But I can tell you that the edition of it that I had at that age was 1,116 pages long. There you go. Incredible. And yeah, just to very, very, very briefly touch on the ending of Reanimator, because like we said, we don't want to spoil it. So I'm going to talk around this. But I have a feeling that 
basically we hear something over the credits in reanimator right um not going to say what it is yes but it's something that i really feel like appears earlier in the movie and i wonder if the ending didn't quite land as they wanted and so they took that sound effect or you know whatever you want to call it i'm trying to be vague and put it over the credits because that feels like a bit of improvisation to me yeah what do you think i mean it, it, it's possible that it's it you know they the the opening sequence was a pickup that wasn't part of the main shoot mm-hmm. they went back and shot yeah. that as extra stuff the long version that i mentioned deals with the the bad guy uh having psychic powers and being able to control other people which is all cut out of the film mm-hmm. like the normal version of the movie so it was a very long film without that opening mm. they reshot the the big the beginning all that stuff at the beginning with the eyes exploding that was all shot in one day oh wow yeah and all the psychic stuff or almost all of the psychic stuff was taken out there's some some stuff where you sort of see him like psychically control zombies so yeah it's entirely possible that the decision to put that like that sound stinger over the over the the cut to black at the end because mm-hmm. there's like a little optical effect and then a sound effect and that's kind of how the movie ends mm-hmm. and it's great mm. but you can also imagine that but without that it's just more of a like a cliffhanger yes exactly so it's yeah it's it's possible that was always the plan but it's also and that that was always the plan and that they just happened to recycle that sound effect because you know why wouldn't you yeah exactly. but then it's also possible that that was a that was a decision that happened later i mean usner who went on to direct the sequels the producer mm. definitely had a hand in it and he was you know he was the one who was encouraging them to go you know put everything up to 11 all the way through Mm. and and was the one that made the decision to release it unrated rather than try and convince the mpaa that all this was fine so yeah yeah could have been either way but i I get what you're saying totally well let's move on to recommendations based on the past couple of weeks i will start again and i will recommend that you watch dead bang Now, we've recommended John Frankenheimer movies before, stuff like The Train and Seconds, uh, but Dead Bang is an anachronistic entry into his filmography. It's Don Johnson's first film role after Miami Vice, and it feels like a satire of that kind of thing at times, of, of like cop movies and cop shows and stuff. Our hero vomits into his hand after chasing down a suspect, for example which is uh, a level of realism you didn't really see at that time. The realism is there because Johnson's actually playing a real cop who helped write the script and he somehow allowed himself to be portrayed as an insanely unlikable character for the first half of the movie. Like, he is uh, a dick in this film. But the second half is where it really gets going when a white supremacist military plotline sorry when a white supremacist militia plotline kicks in and the film suddenly feels way ahead of its time yeah there's some political stuff here where they're kind of warning about the rise of white supremacy that just feels like it could be very sadly taken from today i'm also fairly sure that tarantino loves this one there's an incredible uncut tracking shot that reminded me of jackie brown and the second half has kind of a a django unchained feel for sure so yeah there's that in the mix as well and yeah if you have patience because it requires a lot of patience at the start and you know there's a a a bob balaban role which doesn't really play to his strengths he's kind of badly badly miscast in, in this movie so you kind of have to put up with that as well But yeah, once it gets to a certain point, once it gets to a certain slightly insane gunfight, from that point on, 
the movie is pretty great. So Dead Bang, I recommend it. Dan, what's uh, what's first from you this fortnight? First from me is uh, a picture Korean action film that you can see on Netflix. Hey! So, uh, I'm doing my dues and I'm recommending something that you can get hold of. Hey! <laughs> it's, uh, it's from this year, 2022. It's from a director called Hyun Na and it's called Yaksha, Ruthless Operation. Nice. It's, his, it's Na's uh, second directorial outing. Uh, he previously did The Prison in 2017, which I also quite enjoyed. Yeah, Yaksha is like a fun, loud police intrigue thriller that teaches us the valuable lesson that due process is for nerds. Uh, <laughs> it posits the question, <laughs> it posits the question, how are the police supposed to get anything done if they can't commit endless torture and extrajudicial killings? <laughs> um, it's appalling propaganda, but if you can put that aside, it's terrific fun yeah it's it's politics are not in any way aligned with mine it's about a a guy he's like a i don't know what the term is he's like a sort of government lawyer and he's responsible for taking down criminals and they're about to get this criminal that he's always wanted and then he finds out that they accidentally slightly broke the law when they were arresting him like they didn't fill in a form or they like didn't knock the right number of times something that's like deliberately shown to us to be like a petty bullshit bureaucratic law and all his colleagues are like look we just have to fucking not mention it maybe his lawyers don't know and we can get away with it we can still arrest him and he's like no we've broken the law we're not doing it properly we're gonna have to let this guy that i've spent the last 10 years of my life trying to arrest let we're gonna let him go free and then uh, and then to add insult to injury when they're on the stairs outside the courtroom after he is allowed to go free the bad guy's like oh you've got some mustard on your shirt or like your shoelaces are undone or some shit and he looks down and then all the press take photographs and it looks like he's bowing to the bad guy and everyone's shocked at this so he gets fired well not like fired but heavily demoted and kicked out to the boonies to work on like you know bullshit cases flash forward a couple of years later and like a super dangerous opportunity to go in and like recall like a wet work black ops unit the logic of this film is not cohesive (laughs) and he's like yeah i'll do it but as long as i do it and then i'll do it well can i go back to my old job and they're like yeah fine whatever so he goes out and then the bulk of the movie is him it's like a fish out of water with him a pencil pushing nerd with a tie on having to deal with these like listen we do what needs to be done to get justice served and if that means we shoot these people (laughs) (laughs) then (laughs) that means if we shoot all these hostages in the face then that's what we're gonna do wow and it's like it's like die hard where that cop at the end realizes that he was right to shoot that child because he thought he was had a gun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, yeah, my character arc is I learned to murder again. It's like that. And at the end, I'm not spoiling anything. The film is not the the narrative. Like this arc is not the reason you watch it. Right, right. By the end, he's like, yeah, rules and laws are for nerds. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely going to start like planting evidence and like just fucking breaking the law all over the oh, place Jesus. because that's how justice is served so yeah that's it but there's some great explosions and chases and ju- bridge jumps and cool weapons and like lots of like ridiculous tech there's a there's literally a bit in it where he's like how are you tracking me and they're like oh we wiped this on you when you first came in and now we can track you with satellites we do it to everybody <laughs> 
Wow. I'll definitely check that one out, especially as it's available. Yeah, it's it's yeah. really fun. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. My next recommendation is on the Criterion channel in the States. It's part of the Criterion collection. It is Any Number Can Win, which is a French crime caper where an older ex-con teams up with a younger thief to rob a can casino. Starring the iconic Jean Gabin and Alain Delon, respectively. Uh, any you. number can win is impossibly cool with beautiful black and white cinematography and a dynamic score. It's just brilliant fun from start to finish with a total sucker punch ending. File this one next to Rafifi. It is that good. Any number can win. I heartily recommend it. I thought it sounded familiar and I have seen it and it is great. In England, it is known as the Big Snatch. Oh, well, uh, good. Yep. <laughs> I'm not going to make... I'm, right, let's move on. Let's move on. Dan, what's next from you? <laughs> so it's been out in the States for a little while already. It's uh, it's only just come out in the, in the UK as of uh, the time that this episode goes up. Uh, it's called All My Friends Hate Me. It's a new film from this year, directed by Andrew Gaynord. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. It's his feature debut. He's got a massively impressive collection of TV comedy under his belt. Uh, he directed like six episodes of Statlet's Flats. He did stuff for the criminally underseen, at least in the UK, uh, Detroiters. I don't know if you've seen that, Sam. I haven't actually. Um, oh, it's really good. All My Friends Hate Me is like a an absolutely pitch black comedy, horror sort of film about the social discomfort of trying to hang out with people that you've grown apart from, like since you last saw them. Wow. It's like a cross between peter's friends and darren aronofsky's mother that sounds incredible <laughs> it ramps up the social discomfort to a staggering level and it will incredible. have you squirming oh, in your seat yes, throughout please. it's great fantastic well very briefly also go and see everything everywhere all at once go and see the north man these are things that i'm not putting in recommendations because mm. uh, you know People know about these movies, hopefully, but but please go out and support those films. They will definitely appear in my top ten at the end of the year, and I will check out. Yeah, there's still all my friends there's, hate me for sure. There's still no UK release date for everything, everywhere, all at once. I think there is actually. Like, I, I want to I, see it so much. I think there is. Oh, is it because it come up? I've been checking like on a near daily basis. Yeah, it is. It is at some point in May. I want to say May twelfth, but maybe that's wrong. But yeah, do look it up oh. because it, it was announced on Twitter that it does have a UK release date now, and it is um this month as we record this episode now so okay good good yeah good, good. do go and check that out in the uk whenever it's released all right extra features extra features uh, extra features it's extra features is me and sam talking about the batman <laughs> oh shit right okay how did you feel i've seen it I've yeah seen it now, exactly sam. how did you feel i think if i hadn't had my expectations heavily tempered by you yeah i probably would have been very annoyed yes but you know what? I like emo Batman. Oh. I like all of the all of the weird mutant characters that litter the Arkham uh, backdrop being represented as just like weirdos. Yeah, I'm, I I like the resurgence of noir sensibilities in modern film. Kid Detective that I mentioned uh, last episode uh, is another one of those, and. You know, yes, I get that. Like, he doesn't do enough actual detectiving. Like, there's one bit at the beginning where he's like, "Oh yeah, look around his thumb. Yeah, that that I, I've got some medicine. That knows I know that he was alive when his thumb was cut off." And they could easily have just peppered in a few of those like fun latter day, slightly lazy uh, Sherlock Holmesy bits where he could have been like, 
oh yeah, he's got dark mud on his boots. That means he was on the north side yeah. of the river. Like they could have done a little bit more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but ultimately, I liked it. Like I thought it was quite stylish. That big car chase went on a bit long, but then it had that cool bit where the car came out of the flames at the end of a jump. Yeah, it was fine. I liked it. <laughs> it could have been forty minutes shorter. Look, I think I care more about this stuff. Than, in fact, I 100% know I care more about this stuff than you do. Car chase was cool. It started in a cool way. However, yep. there's a great wave of the fandom that's like, Batman should never kill. Batman, he killed in Zack Snyder's movies, so that's not Batman, even though like, he, he kills in every single movie he killed in the tim burton movies yeah. endless but murders yeah there, there's so much reckless endangerment in that car chase it just feels like matt reeves wanted to make a movie where batman is a bit shit because it's like oh it's early on in his career so he's a bit shit he tries to fly and he he smacks into the bridge and rolls over and yeah he's a detective i didn't like that bit oh, i didn't like that bit it's rubbish and yeah when that when that bit happened i thought they were going to like i thought they were going to do a bit with that later like use the same gag and that was us being told that he had that kit and then but without being a double beat but then he doesn't use it again and you know what i totally lost interest right at the end like in the last yeah. like 15 minutes of the last act and then also i didn't like the message at the end yeah <laughs> yeah the, the nice, like the yeah. the the we wear our scars as a society and we can all we all get through it and blah 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 all felt very like pro status quo yes. which i'm not a fan of yeah and that's it like it really did feel like there was some studio stuff at the end because like it could have ended in quite a low-key way and then it feels like it becomes a completely different movie that doesn't really make sense or tie in with anything else that's kind of happened. Like, they could have yeah. taken it in a slightly edgier direction and kept Thomas Wayne as being... Anyway, I won't spoil it because um, there are people out there who haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was saying to Shay, like, we were talking about it again recently and Shay wasn't a fan of it either. She really hated the Catwoman stuff. Like, she had similar problems to me, but specifically she, she really didn't like the Catwoman stuff and felt like it kind of went nowhere. And I totally agree, like, you could lift that stuff out without making any sort of a difference to the narrative. And I don't know how you feel about it, Dan. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think that was kind of superfluous. They wanted, like, I, the entire film kind of would have worked without her at all mm. as a character. And I think the the worst kind, like, especially in this day and age, the worst thing you can do is to have a female character that is very, very sexy and doesn't in any way matter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, but it, even taking out that kind of stuff, it just felt like a really shit seven it felt like a really dumb seven. Well, but everything's everything's a dumb seven if you compare it to seven. <laughs> like, it's not going to stand up to seven. Yeah, seven is, is genius and Zodiac is genius. And I think I said before, like, I like that they're using that stuff as an inspiration for a Batman movie. I think that kind of works perfectly. But there's just something about the delivery that really, really left me cold. And I bloody love Alfred. And... Batman is, uh, Bruce Wayne is a total prick to Alfred throughout the whole bloody film. Like, just give him a break. Like, just, you know, he's just almost died. And you're sitting there being all emo and you're shouting at him the minute he wakes up. Yeah, but he's just found out that he fucking lied to him for his whole life. Like, that's, that's legit. Mm, fair enough. 
I mean, grant, granted, he hasn't he hasn't demonstrated that he's an actual war criminal <laughs> like the like the Alfred in the Nolan films. Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what it was, but isn't there a bit of dialogue where he's like, "Yes," and then I burnt down the village. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think that's someone else that burnt down the. Oh, maybe it was Alfred. I can't remember. I haven't seen that in a while. No, no, I'm pretty. Yeah, sure. I, I think I'm, you're I'm right. I have to go back and check, but I'm certain there's like a casual bit of conversation where Kane is like talking about his military service. And and then he just like offhandishly mentions something that he did that is actually a war crime. No, it has to. Surely it's the guy that stole the diamonds or whatever. Because Alfred says in that movie, some men, it's one of the most famous lines, you know, some men just like to watch the world burn. He wasn't talking about himself, was he? Yeah. Some men, Bruce, a.k.a. <laughs> uh, me, really bloody love arson. <laughs> and we hate villages. <laughs> so uh, and colonialism is great. Anyway. Uh, that's enough on the Batman. <laughs> I've just realised that Reanimator is probably going to be one of our most popular episodes ever, and we're shitting on. <laughs> so we should we should swerve this a little bit. Yes, because I think the vast majority of precious arrowheads listening to this do love the Batman, and I certainly don't want to take away your enjoyment from it. Like I say, enjoy what you want. I'm not trying to mess with your enjoyment of this film. I love that you love it if you do love it, but for me, it just left me massively cold. But uh, hey, well, let's see. They've just announced a yeah, sequel, I'd... so let's hope that that one's a bit better for me. Which uh, which Batman villain would you most like to see reimagined in a realist way? This is going to be a slightly weird, slightly deep cut, but there's a character called Anarchy, who's basically like this teenager, but he wears he basically his suit basically looks makes him look bigger, like he's basically on stilts or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how you do that in a gritty, realistic kind of Matt Reeves way, but the character himself has the potential for really tying into the the political world that we're in at the moment. He's basically like a villainous protester in a way. So yeah, I would like to see Anarchy, but I'd be perfectly happy with doing a proper take on Mr. Freeze. I think that's the most popular one out there for the fans. I think everyone wants to see Matt Reeves do Mr. Freeze right because uh, he's a very cool character. But I just want anyone except the Joker. I want them to keep the Joker. I love the Joker, but I do not like the design of Matt Reeves' Joker unless they change it up massively. Was that we saw like a corner of his face and he he looked awful. Like yeah. he looked he looked like a Dick Tracy character. Exactly. They've they've since released a deleted scene. It's on YouTube. It's official. They they've put it out there where you see him much more clearly and it's awful. It's genuinely awful. I don't understand what they were thinking. It's exactly as you say. It's like a a really bad Dick Tracy character. Please, God, let the fact that they took that out of the movie, please let them be thinking, oh, let's delete this because we may redesign this character. Not quite sure about it. Because if if they go in that direction and he's the main character, like the main villain in the film, I don't know if I'm even going to watch it. I was saying to Shay the other day, like when we were talking about it, that this is the first Batman movie that I don't actually want to watch again. It's on HBO Max at the moment. I just can't be bothered to watch it. And bear in mind, Shay and I bonded. Like the first movie that we watched together in person was Tim Burton's Batman, where the two of us said every single line of dialogue out loud together. Like we've both seen that movie hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of times. And we were just doing every single line. It was glorious. But I will never learn a single bit of dialogue from this film, except maybe some of the Penguin stuff. 
Like I love Colin Farrell in this film. He's 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 very good in it. Have you seen that nice little video of him trying on the makeup for the first oh, time? Oh, I haven't actually. Yeah, uh, I, I will and like check that out. finding the character. I'll send I'll send it to you. Yeah, so Mike Marino, who did the makeup effects for it, and uh, based out of New York, and is incredible, did the the Farrell uh, penguin makeup, and it's beautiful. A, I love that Farrell shaved his head into male pattern baldness to yeah. make the makeup work. Yeah, yeah. Super, super high respect for that. But but on top of that, Mike put up a video of him of, of like colin in the makeup like for the first time like when he saw his own face oh wow for the first time and you see and you see him find the character oh wow and like whatever you think of like you know various films he's been in farrell's a very good and adept actor oh he's excellent and watching watching him as, as a character actor rather than as a star find that person is great like he's obviously like aesthetically and then also performance wise there's a lot of de niro in that Mm. character but it's really lovely watching him slip into that character Mm. and start to threaten the person doing the behind the scenes video that's fantastic and i'm I'm really glad that he's he's shown up in a batman movie i interviewed him for dumbo believe it or not tim burton's dumbo and because i'm obsessed i did ask him about whether he was a fan of tim burton's batman and if he'd want to be in a batman movie and he said that like he was super into it he used to like carve the batman logo into his jeans as a kid so yeah i'm very very glad that he finally got to do a batman movie all right well that's That's enough from the batman podcast that um we're uh launching uh within this reanimator podcast dan should we do our social media very quickly (laughs) yeah i'm at 13 finger effects on both uh twitter and instagram uh i post very little about batman sorry (laughs) excellent all right i'm at sam ashurst on twitter i'm at sam ashurst 23 on instagram and I'm at Sam Ashurst on Letterboxd. And at some point there will be a Letterboxd list of all the films that we've talked about on this podcast appearing on my Letterboxd. So give me a follow there as well if you'd like to see that. All right, that's it. Don't know what we're doing next time. So I'm just going to say thank you so much for listening. And we promise we'll be more professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.